Welcome to another episode of Opera for Everyone. I'm Keely Heron. I'm Pat Wright. And on today's episode, Pat, what are we listening to? Oh, we are listening to one of the world's great love stories, Romeo and Juliet. Love tragedies. It is. Yeah, it's a tragedy. It is. But it's deeply romantic before we get to the tragic end. This was composed by Charles Gounod, and it premiered in Paris in in 1867. Libretto by Jules Barbier and Michel Carré. And of course, their inspiration comes from... The Shakespeare. None other than William Shakespeare. And interesting, the bard. The bard, yes, the, the, the bard of Stratford-on-Avon. He actually took some inspiration from earlier poets, but we're, we're not going to go and source Shakespeare right now. We'll just oh. leave it. We'll leave it with Shakespeare. And it's kind of interesting because it's set in Italy, written by an Englishman, and now brought into French. And presumably the, the dialogue is in, in French. Yes. The entire libretto is in French, and at best we can figure the two librettists used various translations of Shakespeare because it does seem to be many of the sections are direct lifts from the Shakespeare play in French. Mm. Oh, okay. So it's sort of interesting when you read a translated libretto or watch subtitles on a production of this, the people doing the translating have to decide whether to translate the French or just go back to Shakespeare. And I think for the famous lines, they just go back to Shakespeare. Right. Okay. So speaking of going back to Shakespeare, right after the overture, the first thing we hear is what you would think of in the Shakespeare play as the prologue, and it's the choir setting the scene. So the choir, we're going to listen to this in just a second. You know what? Let's listen to it first. Okay. Let's listen to the prologue, and then we'll talk about what what was said in the prologue. Okay. So this is the prologue from Romeo and Juliet. Thank you. 
You're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL, and that was the prologue from Romeo and Juliet by Charles Gounod. So, Pat, can you set the scene? Well, well first of all, I could, I could say it's set in Verona. Mm-hmm. Verona, in Italy. Italy. During the Renaissance period, and it's left kind of vague, 1300s, 1400s, something like that. So it's older than Shakespeare, because Shakespeare, of course, was writing at the end of the 16th century. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit in the beginning of the 17th, but yeah. Yeah, so it it was set in the past, even in Shakespeare's time. But let's talk about the prologue itself. Do you suppose I could impose on you to uh, just flip open your copy of Romeo and Juliet there and read us the Shakespeare version of the prologue? Why, yes, Pat. I just happen to have it right here. (laughs) How convenient. (laughs) Uh, So do you want me to do a dramatic reading? Is there any other kind? Okay. (laughs) Two households, both alike in dignity, in fair Verona where we lay our scene. From ancient grudge, break to new mutiny, where civil blood makes civil hands unclean. From forth the fatal loins of these two foes, a pair of star-crossed lovers take their life, whose misadventured, piteous overthrows do with their death bury their parents' strife. The fearful passage of their death-marked love and the continuance of their parents' rage which, but their children's end, not could remove, is now the two hours' traffic of our stage. The which, if you with patient ears attend, what here shall miss, our toil shall strive to mend. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Thunderous applause. And scene. So, not everyone speaks Shakespearean English. So it's a little bit of a, a, a capsule telling of the entire tale of the play. I do remember. Yes. Is that, well, I guess now that I say that, maybe I'm just making it up. Is this an iambic pentameter? That, that's Shakespeare's way. That's his, it's always an iambic pentameter. But we're not, we're in opera land now. Okay, I'm rabbit, I'm rabbit hole. Okay. We're in so, opera land. We're in opera land now, and I'm going to read you the end of the translation of the prologue to our opera, just the end part, where we say, These star-crossed lovers paid with their lives for the ending of the century-old hatreds that witnessed the birth of their love. Mm A little bit different. It it is a little bit different, and the opera will actually end a little bit differently from the play. Not particularly important because I think Gounod made a choice to do what opera does, which is really dive into the emotions of the characters in their difficult situations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There we have it. But we open, this, we open the show with a party. Oh, lovely. Well, it's that fabulous party that Juliet's father is throwing in order to have her meet Paris, who would like to marry her. And he is approved of by the father. Mm-hmm. He's well-placed. And everyone's there having a fabulous time Let's hear a little bit about how everyone's having a good time at the party and Juliet appears.
On today's episode of Opera for Everyone, we are listening to Romeo and Juliet, an opera by Charles Gounod. And uh, we've just begun the opera at a party, and it sounds like Juliet is very enthusiastic. She likes parties. She's a young girl. She's having a fun time. She has a pretty dress on. Everyone's admiring her. Of course she's having a good time, but... Well, that's what I was going to ask. Does she know that Paris is there? Yeah, she does. She hasn't really focused on it a lot. We're going to get to that. But before we get to her second thoughts about this man that her father wants her to marry, mm-hmm. our attention is drawn to three strangers wearing masks, as one well does <laughs> at a party. <gasps> Turns out it's three young men from the rival clan, from that uh-huh. other family that you spoke of in the prologue. Yes, with the Montagues yes. and the Capulets. I guess, w- w- is she a Montague or a Capulet? Juliet is a Capulet. Mm-hmm. Romeo is a Montague. And we should, we should just a little bit of context here. In an honor-based society, avenging wrongs is paramount. It's the most important thing. And so these two families are feuding families, as expressed in that prologue. But these two families simply do not get along. And someone's always doing someone to avenge something that the other family, they feel, has done wrong to them. And it never ends. It's Mm -hmm. this ongoing, honor-bound behavior. And so the Capulets and the Montagues cannot get along, cannot get together. They're They're trapped. in Verona. They're swirling. Exactly. That's, That's really well put. So three of the young men from the rival family, from the Montague family, decide they're having a big party wouldn't it be fun we're gonna to go mess out? with them we're gonna go mess with them we're just gonna crash the party you know grab a few of their nice pieces of food mm-hmm. maybe have a with few drinks women. right and so there they are and one and of them go ahead do they think that these masks that they're wearing are going to really disguise them or are they going to just attract attention keely have you ever seen an opera before well <laughs> I mean, is everybody else wearing a mask? Some people are. It's a, it's a pretty common thing to wear a mask at a party. Don't all the parties you go to aren't people masked? I mean, yeah, like, uh, no. No. Okay. Fair enough. But they, it's, it was not uncommon because that's part of the fancy dress, as it were. The three, the three gentlemen who are there from the Montagues are Romeo, Mercutio, and Benvolio. Mm-hmm. And they're having a blast. They're young men having a really, really good time. And Romeo, you can see, is a little different from the other guys. He's like, uh, guys, I'm not sure we're supposed to be here. This, this Things could go wrong. We're not really welcome here. And Mercutio just, just gives him a hard time. Like, you're such a sucker. Like, just relax. We're here. We're going to have yeah. fun. Mercutio is going to poke the bear. Oh, for sure. And Mercutio sings a wonderful song that we're going to listen to next called Mab, Queen of Dreams and Illusions. And Mab is this fairy queen in English folklore. They call her the midwife of dreams. She lets loose. She, as this fairy queen, she is the one who is able to fulfill the desires that people have by giving them those desires in their dreams. And that's what this song is about. La reine des monsieurs réside au songe, plus légère, plus légère que le vent décevant, 
for everyone and that was Mercutio one of the members of the Montague crew who has crashed the party at the Capulets that's right <laughs> and they're hanging out Montague's like mm. and they 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 decide okay well you know this isn't so much fun Let, we'll go ahead and leave we've, we've had our fun and as they're getting ready to leave a, a young woman is spotted she's beautiful she's Juliet Romeo falls and he falls instantly and he falls hard. He says, look, this celestial beauty who seems like a sunbeam in the night. Oh, treasure worthy of the heavens. What sudden light has opened my eyes? I did not know true beauty. Did I love till now? Did I ever love? And you know, Romeo, of course, <laughs> has had a succession of girlfriends. He's, He's quite Romeo. the Romeo. <laughs> exactly. And... All of that is washed away, and Mercutio's joking with him like, oh, so to the devil with all your other girlfriends? Rosaline in particular is his current girlfriend, and he's just like, Rosa who? No, he doesn't say that, but that's that's the impression we get. Right. And Romeo is just, he is love-struck in the most extreme possible way, and Juliet is nearby, and she's in conversation with her, her nurse, Gertrude. And when right. you say nurse, you mean like sort of 
companion or yeah like like com- baby companion like nanny companion but she's yeah exactly her like lady in waiting or whatever exactly and gertrude is trying to talk to her about paris this young man that her father wants her to marry and says you will have in him a pearl among husbands and julia's just like i'm not really thinking about marriage i don't want to get married right now and Gertrude's trying to say she's at the age she really should be married at this at this age. And you you know, by the way, that it's theorized that Romeo and Juliet were 13. 14, yeah, give or take. So, yeah. And in this moment when she says she doesn't want to get married and she talks about what she does want, I want to live in this intoxicating dream. And you just get Juliet's love for life in this next song that we're about to hear. Thank <laughs> you. 
that was Juliet. And you get a little sense of Juliet's personality from that, don't you? She wants to live in an intoxicating dream, Pat. She's not ready to get married. <laughs> She's having a really good time. But over there in the corner, Romeo speaks to one of the pages. He's disguised. Speaks to one of the pages in the household and says, Who, who is this? What is her name? And the, the page actually says the name of the nurse. And it gets a little confusing, but the, the nurse is sent off to go help with the supper. And the page leaves, and Romeo and Juliet are together on stage by themselves. Uh-oh. And Romeo starts expressing his feelings for Juliet. Mm-hmm. Adorable angel. My guilty hand profanes by daring to touch it, the divine hand which I imagine no one has the right to approach. And he goes on, and then she will sing. Calm your fears, these hand claspings of the pilgrim on his knees, even the saints, provided that he loves, have pardoned in advance. And on and on. So this is their very whirlwind courtship between these two, expressing their admiration, affection, adoration of each other they're just in it they are
If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. We've just heard Romeo and Juliet professing their love for one another in this lovely duet, Adorable Angel. And honestly, this show is known for its duets. Oh, really? The two well, lovers. yeah. I mean, I guess that's not super surprising. They are star-crossed no, and- lovers. They are, and as the as the relationship evolves in a very short period of time, but a pretty profound evolution, the duets get even more intense and intertwined. We'll have a lot of fun listening to those as we go along. So, what happens next, Pat? Well, this is the moment. This duet they just had was the moment of innocence. There's just a boy and a girl falling madly in love with each other. This is their meet cute. Yeah, it is, and then the real world comes upon them because Juliet will look over and say oh look my cousin Tybalt is coming and Romeo snaps around like your cousin is Tybalt you're a Capulet he didn't know because he thought she was the nurse well he thought she was the name of the nurse Gertrude because that name was said so he didn't catch her proper name which he might have realized that was the daughter of Capulet but it's all clear when to him anyway, when he hears that Tybalt is her cousin. And he's horror struck because he knows what a violation of his society's codes and norms it is for him to be in love. Yeah, he can't be in love with a Capulet. He can't be in love with a Capulet, not not in the least. And so Tybalt comes in and Tybalt says, he he's not in on the opera and the play convention. He can see through the mask. He knows exactly who that young man is. He says, that's Romeo. He doesn't belong here. And the other member of their crew come in and they're, they're ready to just fight. Mm-hmm. We've got Mercutio shows up, Benvolio shows up. They're ready to, to throw down. Now they're, they're vastly outnumbered. So Keely, it's really interesting what happens when Tybalt is there with Juliet and Romeo and and Juliet is saying to herself, oh, it, Romeo? No, not Romeo, because she knows, of course, the name yeah. of the guys who mm-hmm. she's not supposed to have anything to do with. And she can't quite get over it. And she says, and this will come up again, oh, hatred is the cradle of this fatal love. It's all over. If I may not be his, let the grave be my wedding bed. Yikes. 
So that's how deeply in love she is, that she's she can't see any other way. And that happened live. in like 20 minutes. Yeah, this this is, I mean, talk well, about 14. love at first sight. Love at first sight, and it's deep, and it's it's it moves them profoundly. Hmm. And Romeo, on his own, is letting us know, my very name is a crime in her eyes. Oh, the pain of it. Capulet is her father, and I love her. And Mercutio is like, uh, Romeo, Romeo, uh, take a look at uh, Tybalt. He is going to... Punch your lights out? Yeah, exactly. And that's when Juliet's father arrives. And he says, You kids get off my lawn. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Just go, just go, you hotheads. Don't, don't mess up my party. Right. There's no fighting in here. And he says, I'm not going to let these guys ruin my party. Just go, leave, leave, leave now. So the young men are oh, fuming and ready for a fight, but the old man just essentially pushes them away and, mm-hmm. and says, just, just get out now, yeah. just leave now. He just keeps the peace so that they can have a nice party. Don't spoil my party. Mm-hmm. Well, Romeo's not quite ready to leave. Mm. Not completely. Romeo wants a little more time with the pretty lady. So Romeo kind of hangs around and he gets one of the pages to help him and... All of a sudden we have, but soft, what light through yonder window breaks. Ah, it is the east and Juliet is the sun. There we go. And I'm going to point out right now, because we've we've dropped a few of these hints along the way already, and it continues through the entire play. Juliet is light. She is the sun. She is a star. Light emanates from Juliet. That is an image that they use to describe her all the way through. Hmm. Right from right from the very first moment that Romeo sees her, and the people see her in the party, she is described as light, hmm. bringing light. So, what light through yonder window breaks? Yes, there's a light in the room, but it's it's really Juliet. Hmm. It's really Juliet. All right, and we're gonna listen. And so this is the balcony scene. Oh. Because he says all this, and he hears the stirring, and he goes to hide because you don't know who's gonna look out, and that's when. Juliet comes out on the balcony, and you know what Julio says, right? I don't Romeo. remember. Romeo. Oh, right. Romeo. Wherefore art thou, Romeo? See, I knew you knew it. Well, everybody <laughs> knows it, Pat. But this is where it happens. So they've met at the party, and they, they're, they're going to get a little more time together, but they're each pining for each other at a distance. But he makes himself known to her. He, he shows himself to her. And we're going to listen to another duet where they sing, Love, love, arise, O sun.
You are listening to Opera for Everyone, and on today's episode, we're listening to Romeo and Juliet by Charles Gounod. And we have just listened to the famous balcony scene where our star-crossed lovers have professed their undying 
thunderstruck love for one another in spite of the fact that they are from warring families. It's it is it's heartrending. I mean, it's heartrending when you see the Shakespeare play. It's heartrending when you see the opera as well because they they are so deeply in love, and they are conscious of the fact that it's their names and what the names represent that keep them apart. Juliet says to him, Romeo, tell me honestly, I love you, and I'll believe you, and and my honor will entrust itself to yours. You can trust in me. So. They've, they're just very clear with each other that they're in love. They know that their families think that they should hate each other because they're from rival families, but they, they're just not there. They're just not listening to it. Teenagers never do that. Don't <sighs> listen to their parents. Yeah, but you know what? They, there's also out of the mouths of babes, <laughs> right? So there's a little truth in their willingness to set aside all the hatred and all the anger and the need for constant revenge. I mean, that mm. is part of the the point of this whole story. Well, yeah, and you think about it could have ended very differently had their parents listened to them. Yeah, but that was it's a, it's a tragedy, so that there was going to be none of that. <laughs> 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 so we we have some other characters come in, some of the other household staff, Gertrude's there. Gertrude goes in and Romeo and Juliet have a few more moments to themselves right at the very end where they spend more time just talking about their love cooing at each each other other. completely cooing at each other and we we get one of the other very famous lines from this when they must part parting is such sweet sorrow I knew you'd remember it (laughs) I am good for a few things from time to time Pat Yes, good night, good night, a thousand times, good night. And he leaves. I think we should listen to the the bit where they depart from one another. And this, in case you're keeping track, is the end of Act Two of our five-act opera.
You're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. And on today's episode, we're listening to Romeo and Juliet, and we have just finished up Act 2 of our five-act opera with the infamous scene where they say parting is such sweet sorrow, and our lovers are going back to their homes and... And dreaming of being together. And in fact, Act 3 opens in the church. And Romeo comes and he's visiting Friar Lawrence, the one who's in charge. And Friar Lawrence says, well, you seem a little off today. Is it love? Oh, yes, it's love. And he's like, oh, that Rosaline, you're not really meant for her. He's like, I've I've forgotten who she even is. It's Juliet. And Friar Lawrence is like, what? Juliet? Juliet comes in with her nurse, Gertrude, and... Friar Lawrence knows what's up. He knows that this is going to cause problems. Mm-hmm. The two of them rush into one another's arms. In the church? Yes, indeed. Is that a little bit scandalous? Well, I think Friar Lawrence is going to break a few more rules than even that. But let's listen a little bit as they all greet one another as they're all collecting in the church. This will take us out to the end of our first half of Opera for Everyone. listening to Opera for Everyone, a radio show and podcast that makes opera understandable, accessible, and enjoyable for a mainstream audience. It airs Sundays from 9 to 11 a.m. Mountain Time on 89.1 KHOL in Jackson, Wyoming. KHOL is Wyoming's only community radio station. Opera for Everyone is hosted by me, Keely Heron, and me, Pat Wright. 
If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. And like our Facebook page, Opera for Everyone, where you can also send us a message. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. And we hope you enjoy the second half of today's episode. Welcome back to the second half of today's episode of Opera for Everyone. I'm Keely Heron. I'm Pat Wright. And on today's episode, we are listening to Romeo and Juliet by the composer Charles Gounod. And before we launch into the Opera Helmet quiz, I'd just like to take a moment to discuss the opera that we are using today. It was recorded in 1995, so a fairly contemporary recording in Toulouse, France, at La Halle Grain, which is basically the grain market, but that is now the home of their opera and orchestra. It's a big center for the arts, as it was. In the title role of Romeo, we have Roberto Alana in the character of Juliette, is played by Angela Georgiou, and the conductor is Michel Plasson. And again, it is composed by Charles Gounon, and Pat, do you want to talk a little bit about Charles Gounod? He's not as familiar a name. If you know him for another opera, you know him probably for Faust. Ah, okay. Faust was a huge success, and it's when he first started working with these two, same two librettists who did Romeo and Juliet, Barbier and Carré. And there's only one other opera of his that we tend to hear about at all, and even that is not so very often, and that's Mireille. That doesn't get as much play, but Romeo and Juliet and certainly Faust are the ones that we hear about from Gounod. We mentioned before, but it's worth repeating, 1867 was the time that this premiered. So this is in the height of Wagner's popularity. It's right during the Verdi period. He's got some heavy competition. Yeah, yeah, he does. But this, yeah. is, this is a lovely opera, and it's delightful to watch and you know the story's good thank you and it's in french which doesn't i mean there aren't a ton of french language operas not compared to italian or well nothing compares with italian (laughs) yeah there's i mean there's a there's a real tradition of opera in france and in the french language but we have listened to a lot of italian and italy is the birthplace of opera so everybody 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 played second fiddle to italy yeah sort of (laughs) All okay. right, so that is it's, the recap of the recording. Yeah, so it's time for you to put on that opera helmet and take the opera helmet quiz and let us know what happened in the first half. Well, luckily, as you said, everybody knows the story, so... No, that was you who said that. Oh, did that I? Was... Mm-hmm. Okay, so the opera helmet quiz begins. Our tale begins in Verona, Italy in 1300, 1400, the Renaissance period... Obviously, this is based on the Shakespeare play. We have two star-crossed lovers, Romeo Montague and Juliette Capulet. And the Capulets are throwing a grand party. And Romeo and his buddies Mercutio and Benvolio have decided to crash the party and create some mischief 
as young boys are wont to do. And a reminder that Romeo and Juliet are in the sort of 14-year-old age bracket. So Although, Romeo, don't, don't think American 14 or current teenagers. Cause yeah, they, because they're like, this yeah. is the 1400s. Right. So they're marriage age. Absolutely. They're, in today's terms, they'd be like 32. That's a dangerous game to play. But the, but the nurse in the show, I didn't quote this, but the nurse in the show says she was married at Juliet's age. So right. common. Yeah. Right. So Mercutio and Benvolio and Romeo put on masks and go to this party and Romeo spots Juliet and instantly falls in love with her and he asks, who is that? And they say, oh, that's Gertrude. And so he's like, yeah, Gertrude. A little bit later, he's able to get Gertrude alone and they start chit-chatting <laughs> and he says in modern day equivalent, he's like, I really, really, really like you. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Only it's much more romantic than that because this is Shakespeare. And she says, you know what? I really, really, really like you too. So Mercutio comes along and says, Tybalt is coming. What are you doing? And Tybalt is Juliet's cousin. And since they're of the Montague persuasion, they shouldn't really be hanging out when Tybalt's around. So Tybalt comes along and says, hey, what's going on here? And... Juliet says, oh, that's my cousin, Tybalt. And Romeo says, what? Who are you? And so it's revealed that she is a Capulet. <laughs> She's not Gertrude. <laughs> She's not Gertrude. She's Juliet Capulet. And so kerfuffle, kerfuffle, hand-wringing, anxiety, what's going to happen? So there's a lot of drama. And then Juliet's father comes along and says, hey, you boys, get off my lawn. There's no <laughs> there's no fighting at my party. And Tybalt is like, but I'm going to fight him. They're Montagues. And Romeo's like, but I'm going to fight him. He's a Capulet. But Juliet's father is having none of this. And he just puts his foot down like the patriarch of the family and says, you kids, skedaddle. So they do. But Romeo kind of hangs around a little. <laughs> yes. He's like hanging out in the shadows, waiting for another chance to talk to Juliet. And she's thinking about him too. And so she appears on a balcony, which is the famous balcony scene. And she says, Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou Romeo? And Romeo's, you know, hanging out, hiding in the shadows. And he says, but soft, what light through yonder window breaks? It is the east and Juliet is the sun in, in perfect iambic pentameter, might I add. <laughs> And then they chat, they say, I love you, I love you, blah, 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 blah. And parting is such sweet sorrow. They sing another beautiful aria, another duet, which apparently there's lots of beautiful duets in this opera because it's about star-crossed lovers. And they say parting is what, such sweet sorrow. And they go their separate ways. And then that's the end of Act Two. And then just at the end of the first half of today's episode, right. we ended with Romeo and Juliet and another song where they, I forget what they talked about. She's gone to confession. This was the, uh, the ploy. Oh, right. Okay. We open on a church scene and Romeo is there with Father Laurent and he's saying, Father Laurent, I'm so in love. And Father Laurent says, oh, Romeo, Rosalind is not your girl. And he says, who's Rosalind? I've already forgotten about her. I'm <laughs> right. in love with someone else. And he says, oh, yes, who's that? And Romeo says, Juliet. And Father Lauren is like, oh, no. 
no, 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 this is bad news. <laughs> and just as he's saying, no, no, this is bad news, then Juliet comes rushing in and she and Romeo fall into one another's arms. And that's where we ended. They're in each other's arms with the sympathetic Friar Lawrence looking on. Did I get it? You, you nailed it. You totally nailed it. And you can only imagine what happens next. You have, and well, the nurse is with Juliet, but the, the nurse Gertrude. Gertrude is with her. So you've got, together, you've got a holy man and the two lovers. So what's going to happen next? Um, he's going to marry him. A wedding, of course. Yes. Right. And that's exactly what's going to happen next. And I find this to be one of the loveliest songs in the opera, where he is marrying them and offering blessings for them. And they are speaking of their love for one another. And it, it's just lovely. So, without further ado, shall we listen to the wedding song, Pat? Let's listen.
You're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL, and on today's episode we are listening to Romeo and Juliet, and we've just begun Act 3, and our star-crossed lovers have been married by Father Laurent, with Gertrude as a witness. Yes, and his secret marriage is what they secret. have. Secret, yes. They are married, and because it's such a secret, they must separate right after the ceremony. And so after this secret marriage has taken place, our next scene is out on the street. And out on the street, we have some of the servants of the households essentially poking at each other, you know, arguing. And Mercutio enters, and he's ready to defend his side. And Tybalt's there, and he's standing up to Mercutio. And these are the two on the different sides, Tybalt being kin to Juliet, mm-hmm. Mercutio being a good friend of Romeo's. And Romeo comes in because he sees that they're about to come to blows, and he says, stop, stop, you must stop. And Tybalt thinks, oh, you know, what a putz, basically. <laughs> like, who is this guy? This isn't how we do things. Daddy's not here to stop the fight. We're going right. to be the men that we are. And Romeo's like, oh, no, Tybalt, you don't understand, but I have reason to love you. You're, I'm, I don't, we don't want fights with you anymore. And needless to say, Mercutio's not on board with this. He doesn't understand Romeo's Right, he's like, yeah, who, what do you mean? I want to fight. Exactly. Exactly. And ultimately, Romeo won't fight. It means that Tybalt and Mercutio do fight. And I don't know if you remember your play, but do you know what happens? Mercutio dies. Mercutio is mortally wounded. Mercutio is the one who says a plague on both of your houses. Right. That's right. He's like, he's a sore loser. So he's cursing both of them. He's he's cursing both of them. And I think they're we could say there was a plague on both of their houses for sure. But Romeo, when he sees his friend die at Tybalt's hands, he snaps. Romeo takes a dagger and he kills Tybalt. Oh. And pretty instantly, he realizes the horror of what he's done. Right, because that's his bride's cousin. That's right. So, yeah, he's, he's killed one of her family members. And this sets up the, the reason for the remaining bit of drama because this blood feud continues. Each side has been wounded, has had a death, which means their honor has been wounded, there's cause for revenge, and only cementing... The division. The division between the two halves, exactly. It, it only makes it worse. So let's hear the song, Allons, tu ne me connais, Tybalt. Come now, you don't know me, Tybalt that Romeo sings. Adieu, tu 
for everyone we have Tybalt laying in his last moments on stage before he dies when Capulet comes in Juliet's father and he bends down and whispering in his ear Tybalt gives him his last wish which will be revealed later I can guess what it is okay revenge not specifically I mean, it is, but it's not, it's not like revenge with a knife or a sword. So we're going to also listen to all of the young men on stage singing about their day of mourning. Oh, day of mourning, oh, day of tears. So the young men of Verona are displeased 
they're unhappy, they're upset about their friends that have died, they're locked in this blood feud. And the Duke appears, or the Prince as he's called in the Shakespeare version, but the one who's higher than either the Montagues or the Capulets. And everyone starts screaming for justice. We need justice. Capulet says, look, Romeo has killed my nephew, Tybalt. And Romeo says, but he struck down Mercutio first, and I just avenged my friend. And everyone's screaming for justice. And the Duke is a little bit of a grown-up here. He says, what is this? Always blood. Nothing will still the criminal furies in your hearts. Nothing will make the weapons drop from your hands. And I myself will be touched by your quarrels turns to Romeo and says, according to our laws, your crime merits death, but I'm not going to sentence you to death because you're not the aggressor. You will be exiled, which to the new bridegroom, no one knows he's a new bridegroom, but to the new bridegroom, this is a terrible blow, a terrible blow. And the Duke just basically tells them all to knock it all off. And Mm -hmm. Romeo is beyond sad at just being married, trying to figure out a way to be with the one he loves. And now he's been exiled. Yeah, that's a bummer. And everyone's upset, but that's the end of Act 3. Oh, okay. That's the end of Act 3, so Romeo goes away. Yeah, he's been banished. I mean, we don't really see where he goes, but he's been banished. And Act 4 begins in Juliet's bedroom. Guess who's with Juliet? Gertrude. Romeo. Romeo. (gasps) Oh, no. knows where her balcony is <laughs> oh dear <laughs> yeah they end up together there and they have obviously spent a lovely night together and this duet this these songs that we hear we're going to hear in just a moment they're arguing with each other like oh that is the lark the herald of the morning and they'll take turns saying that, and then the other one will say, no, 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 you must be wrong. It's it's not morning yet. It's not morning yet. Because they feel as long as it's nighttime, they're okay together. But then real life has to intrude again which once morning breaks. She begins her song by telling him, I pardon you. I understand. I am not going to continue the hatred because you've hurt one of my kin. I love you, and that's what matters. Well, that's good. I mean, at least his wife has forgiven him, but what is he going to do about this whole banishment deal? One step at a time. Let's listen to the song.
This is Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. And we are listening to Romeo and Juliet by Charles Gounod. And we've just heard Romeo and Juliet talking about how they are fine as long as it's nighttime and they're together in Juliet's room where they're not supposed to be. But once morning breaks, it's a different story. Right. And even though they keep trying to deny the fact that the sun is rising, they both finally realize it is. And Romeo at last leaves, and not a moment too soon. Because Gertrude comes in and says, "Um, My lady, your father, Capulet, and Friar Lawrence are on their way. And they come in. Good thing Romeo's not there, huh? Mm -hmm. And Capulet shares with Juliet the dying wish of her cousin. The dying wish of her cousin was that she marry Paris, as her father intends. Or at least that's what the father says. Oh. Well, that's kind of a bummer. Which is why he's brought Friar Lawrence with them, and they arrange to do the wedding immediately. And Capulet tells his daughter Juliet to prepare for her wedding. And we have a fabulous song with all of the characters on stage singing about that. Oh, 
You're listening to Romeo and Juliet on Opera for Everyone, and Juliet's in kind of a difficult situation here. She's already married to Romeo secretly, mm-hmm. and her father is insisting that she be married to Paris, the man he has chosen for her, and that was the dying wish of her cousin Tybalt. Well, after all this announcement and setup, everyone leaves the room, but Friar Lawrence remains behind, and Juliet confesses to him, after all he knows, her situation, that she'd rather die than marry Paris. She can't betray her own heart, and she can't betray Romeo. And Friar Lawrence thinks, and he pulls out of his pocket a tiny little bottle. And he says, here, my dear, you can take this. It is a potion which will cause a simulation of death in you. You won't be dead, but everyone will think you are. I'll send word to Romeo, and he can come back and take you away. And you can join him in his exile. Not an easy situation. No, especially like this is 1400s. I would be very, very hesitant to ingest a potion, even though it's from a man <laughs> of the cloth, as it were. Well, she she hesitates before even taking the bottle from him. And then after she has taken it and he departs, she sings quite a bit about her hesitation, her concern, her wondering, well, what if she wakes up and she's alone in the tomb? She's down there where her dead cousin is also, and all the other dead people. And she's alone, surrounded by corpses. It's kind of a frightening thought. She shares that with us. At the very end, she will choose to take this option that the friar has presented, because it's her only choice. But I'd love to listen to the final song of this scene, which is, Oh, love, revive my courage. And then she takes her poison.
So Juliet has taken the potion from Father Lawrence here in this opera, Romeo and Juliet. And interestingly, she, she doesn't die instantly. It, the, the poison takes a certain amount of time. I shouldn't to call kick poison. In. The potion takes a certain amount of time to kick in. And if you were watching some versions of this opera, you would have about 18 minutes of ballet to watch at this point. Now, I've seen some American productions of this, and so I can't speak to any others, but the ballet is omitted. Right, because the French always expect a ballet when they go to the opera. It's a convention in French operas to have a ballet. So there is beautiful ballet music. Perhaps the French ballet represents Juliet's sort of like trip into the suspended animation state that she is in. (laughs) It's entirely possible. But it's time for a wedding. Daddy oh, right. has arranged it. For Juliet to, to wed Paris. And sure enough, she shows up. And they're in the process of getting married. And at just the right dramatic moment. She collapses. She collapses. That Father Lawrence, he's clever. Uh, the timing is amazing when you think about it. <laughs> she collapses and... She's going to appear to be dead, but I'd love to hear the last song in Act 4, which is a line taken from an earlier speech that Juliet gave, where she says, hatred is the cradle of this fatal love. And all of the rest of the cast is on stage as well. 
You're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. And on today's episode, we are listening to Romeo and Juliet by Charles Gounod. And we're in the final stages of this oft-told tale of yes. star-crossed lovers. Juliet has collapsed right at the critical moment of the wedding that her father arranged for her with Paris. She's pronounced dead. And Act 5 begins in a conversation between Friar Lawrence and Friar John. And Friar Lawrence confirms with Friar John that Romeo has received the message about Juliet, the secret message, so that he knows she's not really dead. Turns out, in the Shakespeare play, he was prevented from delivering the message because of plague. In this, the messenger has been killed as part of the combat between the two families. And Friar Lawrence gets a little panicky that Romeo doesn't know. In the final scene of the opera, we're in the crypt where Juliet is laid out. And there's quite a bit of music there, but Romeo ultimately comes in not because he's gotten any message, but because he's heard, as you would imagine, through the grapevine, that Juliet has died. And so he goes to the crypt to see his bride, who's just died, and he's He's heartbroken, absolutely heartbroken. And knowing that this was the case, he actually brought poison with him to kill himself so he could be with her forever. Romeo takes the poison, and again, in the Shakespeare, Romeo's dead when Juliet awakes, but that wouldn't be very satisfying for an opera, would it? No final duet. Oh, (laughs) no! No final duet amongst the lovers? So, no, not in the opera. In the opera, he's consumed the poison, but it hasn't yet killed him. She wakes up, is overjoyed to see him because she thinks the plan has worked. Right. And he almost lets her go with that for a little while because the poison hasn't acted on him yet. But then, as the time goes by, it does act upon him, and he tells her what he's done. And she can't wrap her head around it, but in her grief, she grabs a knife and she stabs herself, and the two end up singing together with their As last breaths of air. And that is how the opera ends. And we don't have that satisfying bit at the end of this opera that we have at the end of the Shakespeare play, where people rush in, see the two young people dead together, and they agree to end their feud. It's alluded to in the prologue that we began with, but here we just see the tragedy of these two lovers dead on the stage in one another's arms that's right so we'll listen to the last bit
to another episode of Opera for Everyone. I'm Keely Heron. And I'm Pat Wright. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud and like our Facebook page, Opera for Everyone, where you can also send us a message. We know that opera can be challenging. But everyone loves a good story. And a story set to music is even better. That's why our mission is to make Opera opera for for everyone. everyone.